I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is episode 14 of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Another week of Knicks and NBA talk as we get closer and closer to the start of the NBA season. Uh, we're weeks away. We're really getting there now. It's oh, it's right on the cusp. We can feel it. The weather outside uh, has kind of started to hint at that as I record the show today. It's cold outside. It's raining outside right now, just outside of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast studios. And that means NBA hoops and college hoops for yours truly. Almost right around the corner very excited we're very close to the games starting to mean something there's still a little bit of ways to go um i'm excited i think you guys should be excited as well uh it's a little bit of a a potpourri show today um really because the news is really bad this week and by that i mean there's nothing to talk about uh it's a really it's a really crappy week for news uh for people like me that talk about it Week after week, uh, it's pretty weak. I got to be honest with you, besides Spike Lee buying some pretty historic memorabilia and people wondering what the Hornets are going to do after Kemba Walker has left and gone to the Celtics, not a lot of interesting headlines. And a number of the things that people are talking about, we've talked about it on the show. So I'm going to take this show from a little bit of a different angle today uh, and kind of mix in some of the stuff that I do uh, on more of a regular basis this time of year, and that's some college hoops. Um, for those that don't know, I know a few of you do know, uh, I host a show called the Flagrantly Foul Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, uh, along with a couple of other outlets as well. Uh, I know a number of you uh, have listened to that podcast and now listen to this as well. Uh, don't worry, that podcast is going to be back uh, starting up uh, hopefully later this month, if not early November when the season gets underway. Uh, but because of my college basketball background, I did want to go into this show and dive in to the rookies this season around the NBA uh, and really kind of highlight some of the players you need to watch uh, around the NBA that are rookies coming out of college, some that I was you know lucky enough to cover uh, during my you know time the last couple of years uh, in the college space. Uh, and hopefully again this year. I'm very excited about that. Um, for those that don't know, had the chance to cover the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, was it a number of Big East games, the Big East tournament, uh, and and at previous years have been at the ACC tournament uh, as well. And it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, through, during my college days, did a lot of this as well, and really have enjoyed continuing that since I've graduated college. Now the last couple of years being able to not only get into the NBA space doing stuff like this, but also continuing to cover college basketball, which gives me you know some, uh, not only background, but knowledge and just so much excitement that not only the NBA is going to be back soon, but also one of my favorite sports out there, which is college basketball. I, I do want to highlight you know guys that you need to watch this season in the NBA 
that are rookies that came from the college ranks and are looking to make a big splash this season. And by potpourri, what I meant at the top is I'm basically just going to hop around to different teams and the different guys that I like. Now, listen, some of these guys, especially in the second round, are going to be on two-way contracts. You might not see them right away, but that doesn't mean you won't see them. You know, at this year, maybe even you have to wait till next year on some of these guys. But a lot of these guys, this this could end up being a deep draft. And I, and I think I said that uh, earlier this year on my College Hoops podcast, again, the Flagrantly Foul podcast, if you want to go and take a listen to some of our prior episodes, myself and my co-host, Angela Maltese. This is interesting because the second round for me on paper, based on what I've covered and seen in, in the college ranks, is really deep. And, you know, that includes since this is, of course, a primarily Knicks show, a guy like Iggy Brasdakis, 47th overall, Kings take him, he gets traded to the Knicks. A guy in college that could really score the basketball, needs to work on his defense, he's got a really good body, is a stretch guy a little bit, and can score in a multitude of ways. Has a decent shot that has to get a little bit better, to be fair. He faced teams in the NCAA tournament that were really able to key in on that three-point shot. And when... Iggy got frustrated, he would chuck up a lot of bad shots. Now, that's pretty normal uh, for a guy at that level, but I I think in the NBA, it's going to get even tougher, obviously, defensively. He's just got to be a little bit more poised on the arc and continue to to take good shots, make good decisions. He can drive inside. He's really physical. I love his confidence. He's not too cocky. He's really just confident in himself, but he's not afraid to talk trash, and I like that about him as well. He's got an edge to his game. And I think New Yorkers are really going to enjoy that. And I think he's a really good team player. I think he gets a lot of players involved. He's not going to be selfish on the court. He's not afraid to take a backseat as well. You know, there were other guys on that team like Jordan Matthews at Michigan last year that really had to take hold in a couple of the games. And Iggy was able to take a backseat and hit big shots when he needed to. So I really like that about his game as well. And I think that's a good place to start. I think the Knicks are hoping that Iggy can come in right away and be a solid option off the bench. Now, obviously, there's a lot of bench players that the Knicks will have to, you know, worry about. You know, obviously, R.J. Barrett, they're hoping is going to start, and I'll get to R.J. Barrett a little bit later when we get towards, you know, players that were picked towards the top end of the draft. But, you know, Iggy Brasdakis is a guy that I think long-term could be a really interesting pick for the Knicks. I think could work out pretty well. You know, if he's able to develop like I think he can, again, he was a one-and-done at Michigan. If he's a guy that blossoms, you could be looking at, uh, you know, a really solid two-way player in the NBA. And that's why I think the Knicks took the chance on him by trading with the Kings to get him. And they end up basically trading the 55th pick, which is another guy that I like, uh, and no pun intended. And that's Kyle Guy, who the Kings, I believe, ended up with in this draft and I like Kyle Guy a lot I I thought I was pretty happy live thinking that the Knicks had gotten him and then when I found out he got traded to the Kings I was a little uh down I thought that Kyle Guy listen out of college I thought Kyle Guy was the better player Uh, I think Iggy's got the most upside but I think right now Kyle Guy's right now the better player he's a better shooter he's uh he's more athletic than Iggy Brasdakis I think he's also uh, a really good defender. You know, Virginia knows how to coach him defensively. And in that system, he did well. Now, in the NBA, it's going to be different for him. Things are going to be a little bit tougher. He's a little undersized at his position. That could hurt him defensively. Uh, I, so I don't know about 
his long term, but I think the next couple of years, you know, I think Kyle Guy might be on a two way contract, but if he's he's a guy that'll buy in and, and will be able to learn and, and get better. So I, I like him as well. I so I think the Kings and Knicks both could have gotten out as winners from that trade. So I, I I like that as well. A couple other second round guys that I wanted to touch upon. The Celtics, I think, again, and I believe this is another two way guy that I mentioned on the last podcast or two podcasts ago. When I was breaking down the East, I thought this the Eastern Conference, I should say, I really like the Celtics with their pick of Tremont Waters here. Another really talented guard with a chip on his shoulder, really smart out on the court, normally makes the right play. Pretty clutch player as well from his time at LSU. Again, didn't play there a whole lot, uh, you know, longer than the season he played. But I, I like his upside as well. And I guess the Celtics probably don't have him as an option for most of this season. But down the road, I, 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 you know, who knows? Players could get injured. They dealt with injuries last year. Um, he's an option. He really could be an option for them. I think that was a really good pick. Um, forgive me for for falling in to the Greg Popovich uh, narrative as always, but uh, to be fair, I, I didn't love the pick at the time. Uh, their second round pick, I think, Quindary Weatherspoon. Is borderline not a pick in the draft? I think he's arguably, in my opinion, uh, not an NBA player, uh, in my opinion. However, uh, the Spurs could find something there. You know, uh, some people were saying that Kyle Anderson was overrated and the Spurs turned him into a pretty decent player and he's still in the NBA and he's, he's making an impact for the most part. So I, I like that because uh, it's only because the Spurs, it's, it's like saying, you know, all well, this, the, the Patriots could really turn this guy into something because Belichick is a defensive guru. I, I think that the Spurs know what they're doing normally in the draft. So Quindary Weatherspoon, maybe Pop sees something that many of us don't, but I, I think Quindary Weatherspoon, listen, will buy in. You know, he, Ben Howell was a hell of a coach for him at Mississippi State. Uh, I just don't know how it translates. He's not, he, he, to me, Quindary Weatherspoon doesn't him, assert himself well enough in the games. He, you know, this is a leader on the team, but didn't lead by example when it mattered most. And by that, I mean, didn't step up enough in big games for me. Now he had some big performances, especially down the stretch, but when they needed him most in big games, kind of shied away. And it, it kind of, you know, it was five seed syndrome, you know, at the tournament where, you know, it's that five seed that's, you know, really big, really athletic, but they rely on, on wing players and don't have very good guard play. And in the NCAA tournament, those teams get beat a lot. And they lost to a Liberty team uh, that you could talk about whatever they were dealing with off the court. They were dealing with some pretty uh, crazy stuff off the court. But on the court, really good guard play and had enough bigs to deal with what Mississippi State threw at them and they upset them in that round. So it's, again, that's one game, you know, but I, I the Spurs could turn them into something. Now, I think the Clippers had a really good draft. I think, now I got to cover Florida State at the NCAA tournament this past season in Hartford and got to see them up close and personal and how impressive they are uh, live to watch. And they, they listen, they, they took a little bit of a shot in the first game. They played Vermont in Hartford, which, uh, you know, we could talk about this another time on my other podcast, but I've said this in time and time again, the fact that a four seed has to play a 13 seed uh, basically in a home game is ridiculous. Um, the 13th seed having more fans there than the four seed is, is ridiculous. And the NCAA should look into that, but this is not a college hoops podcast. That's for another time. But basically what I'm saying, why I'm saying that is, you know, 
Clippers end up taking Fiondu Cabangeli and Terrence Mann, two teammates from Florida State. Cabangeli, the younger of the two, but I think the bigger upside, certainly on the offensive end going forward, is in his in his court. And I think Terrence Mann, God, is he a Doc Rivers player? I mean, if you could have put if Doc Rivers was playing 2K and put together a player just to have fun with and played his style of basketball, Terrence Mann is that guy. The dude just fights on both sides of the ball. The man is so professional the way he plays. Uh, he, lo- he looked like a pro this past season at Florida State. Made it look effortless defensively, stealing, blocking shots. Cabin Gelly blocks shots as well. Cabin Gelly's got a really good jump shot for his size, picks his spots too, doesn't, doesn't shoot when he doesn't have to, and is a poet on the offensive end, uh, writing checks that he can cash. And scoring ridiculously quick sometimes and there were times where Leonard Hamilton would play him off the bench and he would come on and score 20 points and seeming like half the time he was on the court it was incredible how Fiondu Cabangeli was able to weave his way into games then all of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and he's got the most points and he's played half as much time as everybody else so he's extremely efficient on the court as well and I love Terrence Mann's grit his grime his athleticism and how hard he plays on the court. Two phenomenal picks by the Clippers. And that has me feeling like they, they did everything they had to do this offseason to build a championship caliber team. That's why I have them as my Western Conference favorites. And it just hammers home the fact that you know Doc Rivers knows what he's doing. He's getting a chance again to rebuild this roster. I mean, listen, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are the reason why they are title favorites. But the other, th- or one of the title favorites. But the way that they they added that onto what they had from last year, you know, an 8C that gave Golden State some problems when they were fully healthy, and then on top of nailing it, in my opinion, in the draft, the Clippers did everything they had to to, to sure it up and go for it as a chance to finally put to rest all of the L.A. haters that think the Clippers don't mean anything in that city. This could be the year that that changes forever, and that would scare me if I was a Laker fan. I'm telling you that right now. I don't care if LeBron and AD are on your roster. DeMarcus Cousins is probably out for the entire season with an injury. And not many other players on that roster, you know, are, are right there as far as, you know, what the Clippers have. You know, there's nobody else besides LeBron and AD. There is nobody else on that roster that you can argue and be like, yeah, they're far and beyond what the Clippers have or far and beyond even what... You know, a, a team like Denver has, or a team like, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting what I even had in my rankings. But you know, the Clippers, you put the Denver Nuggets in the mix. I mean, I'd argue that. I mean, I have the Trailblazers a little bit lower on the list, but then you look at yeah, a little bit further down in the Western Conference, and you you could argue not that much further down. Listen, the Warriors, if they play their cards right, will be in the mix this year as well in the Western Conference. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's going to be really interesting after the Clippers, you know, what happens in that two spot. But again, I got, listen, I have Denver there, as you as you remember from my Western Conference rankings. Golden State, I think probably third or fourth in that, you know, kind of upper echelon of teams then obviously what Houston's doing is kind of that other team in the mix. I, I don't think the Lakers match up really with those top three and the Warriors, I think could still arguably 
be better. I know how good LeBron and AD are, but they're both injury prone now. LeBron is not the same LeBron of five years ago. Now, I know he'll be very good at times. It's it's still LeBron. But like we saw last year, he can break down now. This is not a guy that he's played so much basketball. It's unbelievable. So keep that in mind as well in the West. Now, back to some of these draft picks that I really like. Now, the biggest risk would have been taking this guy that I'm talking about now in the first round. But the Nuggets got him traded to them in the second round from the Miami Heat. And he's the biggest wild card in this entire draft. In the entire draft. This is the guy. We just don't know. And it's Manute Manute Bowles' son, pardon me, Manute Bowles' son, Bowl Bowl who is the player to watch in this whole second round for me. Now the Nuggets are, are, here's the good news for the Nuggets. And this is why I have them second, maybe third in the West. Their core is there. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. I I, I like what's there. And there's plenty else that, you know, I, I, I think that they have, th- those are their two stars, you know, right now. And I like that they're, I like their chemistry with Paul Millsap being mixed in there as well as a veteran leader on this team. And I, you, you can, you know, for more on that, you can go back to the last podcast. I really like what they have and I like what they did in the draft, but they also have two projects and risky picks on their roster. And Bull Bull is one of them, completely injury prone. You know, he, he missed almost all of his first season and his only season at Oregon with an injury. And to be fair, the flashes we saw, especially at Madison Square Garden, the 2K Sports Classic, whoa, was he extremely influential on the game and extremely fun to watch. And I wish we could have seen him play in the NCAA tournament because, in my opinion, by a mile, he gets more shine than Taco Fall does in that NCAA tournament if Oregon has him there. Now, Oregon gets to the Sweet 16 without him. So, that sh- again, that shows you how important guard play is in the NCAA tournament. But that also shows you how important Kenny Wooten was. Kind of the Robin to Bull's potential Batman when he came in there. Kenny Wooten kind of did everything Bull Bull was supposed to do for them. So, again, that goes back to the system that Dana Altman had in, in place there at Oregon. And with guys like Peyton Pritchard leading the way scoring-wise, they went on a really nice run and came within a couple of moments of beating the eventual national champion Virginia Cavaliers in that Sweet 16 game. So you give that, and they were a 12 seed. Remember that? They were a 12 seed and were, you know, got a little lucky with their region. You know, they beat a Wisconsin team that had to travel quite a ways to get to the to the venue, and Oregon kind of took them apart. And, and then they beat, a, I believe, UC Irvine in the second round, and they had just beaten a, a depleted and injured Kansas State team who was the four seed in that region. So they got a little lucky with the draw, but they 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 showed against Virginia that they could have played with anybody in that tournament. Now, that doesn't take too much away from Bull Bull because what he showed early in the year was that he was one of the best players in the country for about a week, and then he gets hurt, and he was out for the season. So you see the, the promise. The promise is there. But I worry about his injury stuff. And pairing him along with a risky pick from last year's draft, they drafted him, I believe, in the top 15, taking Michael Porter Jr. out of Missouri, who almost who had an even more of a risk than Bull Bull, not because of his, uh, not, you know, Bull Bull has the size issue, 
that, 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 you know, you're seeing KP and other, and other players that have been taller, you know, not work out because of their injuries. KP still has time to prove everybody wrong. But for right now, the injury prone tag is on him because of the last two seasons. But keep in mind with Michael Porter Jr. that he played even less time in college than Bol Bol did. So now the Nuggets have two guys that they're really, you know, I'd be shocked if they were sure what they have in them just because they haven't seen them yet. And they know they know that, but how many are you going to take? Now, the good news is they have the core. They have the veterans. They have a good team that's probably two or th- second or third best team right now in the West going into next season. But they also could have two diamonds in the rough that could pay off and be f- good for five or ten years. So it's the risk-reward. But Bull Bull is one of the most intriguing players as a rookie for next season. For me, if he's healthy, things get really interesting in the West. I'm serious. And if the Nuggets get any better with what they have, they are scary in the Western Conference. I I don't know if they're good enough to win a title, but they could get a step further and maybe challenge to get to the NBA Finals next year. I wouldn't put it past them. Now, things would have to happen. You know, stars win championships. Can't deny that. But as far as the team, Nuggets could be really good if some of these risks turn into rewards. A few other second-round picks that I want to get to. Uh, again, the Warriors. The Warriors, I guess, is the Steve Kerr connection with Greg Pop. They're, they just keep nailing it in the draft as well. I love the Eric Paschal pick. I got to see him up close and personal a lot uh, when he was at Villanova these last couple of seasons, freak athlete, can jump out of the gym, great defensively, has a really good three-point shot, can get hot in a hurry from threes, really physical player, a smart player. Jay Wright, you know, it's a machine now. It keeps pumping out these great players. You know, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, and now Eric Paschal. Um, and even before that, you know, Josh Hart uh, as well. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot of really good players, you know, Daniel Ochefu still trying to break in as well. So I, I really like this pick for the Warriors and when with Quinn Cook, with Quinn Cook moving on another, another great acquisition by the Warriors at the time, um, moving on to the Lakers, you know, Warriors again, you know, did a phenomenal job developing that kid. Eric Paschal could be a, an even better version of what they need off the bench this season for the Warriors. And, might take him some time because he's a rookie, but he's got the experience. I could see Eric Paschal playing right away off the bench for the Warriors if things go his way. Now, that's because the Warriors have a depleted team a little bit. You know, obviously, uh, Clay Thompson is hurt. He's out for most of the season. And there are other pieces with Livingston retiring and Andre Iguodala moving on. And there's reports that that's not great. Curry and Thompson and all them not not thrilled that Andre Iguodala moved on, but them's the rules and he wants to play more so that where he's at now could give him a chance to do that so I, I like the Eric Paschal pick it fills a possible need and, and I really think that he could be huge this season for the Warriors uh Carson Edwards to the Celtics phenomenal pick for Boston I, I think Carson Edwards again got to see him up close and personal during the regular season and in the NCAA tournament last year the dude is a beast, uh, is a scoring beast. Uh, he's a walking jump shot. 
uh, and he is unbelievably tough to stop when he gets going. Can score in a multitude of ways. Decent defensively as well. A little undersized. I think that's probably the biggest knock against him coming in. But uh, if he can shoot the rock, it doesn't matter. So uh, he's a, he could be a phenomenal pickup for the Celtics as well. And I, I think Brad Stevens, you know, again, Indiana basketball connection there. Purdue and, of course, Brad Stevens coached at Butler. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, interesting selection. I think that could work out really nicely as well. The Hawks, uh, for me, because it was the second round, got some value for the pick uh, from traded from the 76ers, much like Edwards to the Celtics. You know, Bruno Fernando is an interesting pick. Uh, I think that the Hawks, with where they're going, they're, it's kind of baby steps for them. I kind of mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. I like the pick from where the pick is at. I don't think this would have been a good first-round pick, but early second round, because, again, bigs in this draft – unless they can shoot the rock, are not very valuable. So a Fiondu Cabangeli and a Dylan Windler are more valuable than a Bruno Fernando or a Brandon Clark. I mean, that's just what it, that's just how it is now in the NBA, or even a Bull Bull who's coming around shooting the rock as well. So I, I like Bruno Fernando as an athlete, as a shot blocker, as a low post guy. He's getting there. The Hawks could use a guy like that. I just don't know if long-term it's a great pick. Because I, I worry about Bruno Fernando's development. He, did he improve? Because he could have came out the year before last and gotten picked probably in the first round. But he went back and wanted to get a top 10 pick and be a lottery pick and all this stuff. And improved, but I don't think improved as well as... like His, his end of the season was pretty lackluster. And... That would worry me a little bit if I was if I was a Hawks fan, and and I feel like that might prove to to be a problem if he's not you know developing as quickly as they thought. You know he could easily be moved on. So I think that's why they waited. That you know they waited for the thirty fourth pick to trade and get him. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know I don't know what these guys that don't that can't shoot the rock very well where they're going to end up. And, and listen, Brandon Clark with the with the Grizzlies getting him from the Thunder at 21. Not thrilled with that as well for Memphis. Again, that that kind of further puts them where I have them on the on the rankings for standings really low because listen, Grind City, I get that and they want another Mark Casal or they want another Zach Randolph and and whatever, you know, John Morant they're hoping is better than Mike Connolly Jr. in the long term. I, I get where they're going, but I don't know if Brandon Clark in today's NBA makes a whole lot of sense that high. You know what I mean? So it's tough. It's tough. It depends on the player, depends on the team, depends on the philosophy, and, and that, that makes up a lot of this stuff. So it's really interesting. All right, I want to take a break here. I've gone through the ones I like in the second round. Let's go. I'm going to go through some of the rookies that you know basically next and kind of see who's the X factor going into next season. More to come, more rookie talk, more NBA talk, more Knicks talk coming up on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, guys, I'm diving into the first round now of my rookie breakdown, X-Factor breakdown for next season in the NBA. The R's next to the names that you have to watch for next season. Second round, there's definitely some potential for diamonds in the rough. First round is plentiful when it comes to diamonds in the rough. I mentioned two already, one a little bit more than the other. Uh, Fiondu Cabangeli for me, the Clippers pick, phenomenal pick by Doc Rivers. He fits perfectly what they want to do and can shoot the rock. I really like that pick. Uh, a lot. Uh, Brandon Clark to the Grizzlies, I think just tells me where the Grizzlies are at, and we might not see how good he is for a little while. Who knows? But I, again, I don't know uh, what exactly yet the Grizzlies have as a, pro, as a pro prospect in Brandon Clark, and for me, a little too high of a pick uh, there. But regardless, as far as this next season, Brandon Clark, for me, is going to need some work. Dylan Windler to the Cavs is interesting. Um, I think any other team, this would be more newsworthy. Dylan Windler's a really good score, played at Belmont in the MVC. Uh, For those that follow college basketball, you know who he is. Uh, And you may find out who he is this season, uh, to be honest with you. Um, With where the Cavs are at, who knows who's going to be playing this year. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love are still there, but... And that's why I had trouble ranking them. I don't know how, I don't know if the Cavs are just going to tank again or if they're going to say, hey, we've got these guys who, and we're paying them $20, $30 million. You might as well play them. So I don't know where their heads are at, but I do think that Dylan Windler was a solid pick at 26 just because he's an all-around scorer and can defend as well and has some good length and athleticism on him as well. For me, the pick of the entire first round, and I'm pretty sure I tweeted this out, at SJ7 on Twitter, live as this happened at 29 and it's the Spurs hitting a home run this is not because of pop this is not because it's the Spurs this is not like before when I was talking uh, about the second round pick that the Spurs ended up making in the first segment you know talking about Quindary Weatherspoon and now they can just wave their magic wand of development he's going to be a good player this is a guy that should have been picked much higher in the draft because he's that good and the Spurs getting Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky at number 29. Folks, mock drafts, legit mock drafts, had him as a top five pick and at worst a top 10 pick for a good part of last season. Why he fell off, God only knows. But for me, Keldon Johnson at 29 is a steal. It's a robbery. It should be illegal. It, it is unbelievable. It's criminal how a guy that good went that low in the first round. I've seen Keldon Johnson live. I saw him at the Garden this season. I've, I saw him a little bit in SEC play as well. Holy smokes, is this kid a talented player? And Coach Calipari has got a really, had a really good guard in Keldon Johnson in college. It showed how good he is. He's an athlete, can shoot the rock. He gets a little passive at times. I think that's probably a little bit of the knock on him. But when he gets going, 
And uh, listen, that hurt Kentucky a little bit early in the season. You know, guys like Keldon Johnson, P.J. Washington, another guy I'll get to in a second, Tyler Hero. These were guys that got off to slow starts during the regular season in non-conference play because I think they were all still learning under Calipari and what it takes to play at Kentucky and, and how every night everyone's coming after you. And they lost some games that, you know, early on shocked a lot of people. Although, to be fair, one of their toughest losses of the early schedule, losing in overtime to Seton Hall at the Garden, I was at the game, was really, it just showed, you know, Seton Hall ended up being an NCAA tournament team and was a shot away from winning the Big East tournament. So it, it, it's, they ended up playing some tougher teams I think they realized when they scheduled early on. And then as the SEC play kicked off, Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson were running that conference for, for the majority of last season. You know, listen, Tennessee had a really good year. And I think Admiral Schofield and the guy I'll get to in a second, Grant Williams, are interesting prospects. But Keldon Johnson and Tyler Hero could be could be 10, 15-year guys in the NBA. And the Spurs, I mean, my God, this is why they're good. I mean, this is why they're good every year. Stuff like this happens. And they, for me, I, 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 already, I looked at already three guys right off the top that I would never take ahead of Keldon Johnson. Ty Jerome from Virginia. And listen, this is no disrespect. These are all talented guys. But for me, the upside for Keldon Johnson, it's way higher than any of these guys. Ty Jerome because of his size. Nasir Little because of his lack of I almost desire at, at North Carolina. I almost want to say I don't want to pin it on a kid like that. But when Roy Williams, when, when Roy Williams can't get to you, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. He's a hell of a player, but... When when he when you can't play under Roy Williams and you're that good, I, I don't know what's going on. I wouldn't have taken I wouldn't have put Dylan Windler ahead of him, and I sure as heck would not have put Jordan Poole ahead of him either. Not that that's a bad pick by the Warriors, but Keldon Keldon Johnson. I mean, how the Warriors had were sitting there at 28, not licking their chops for Keldon Johnson. I will never know. I'll never know. I will never know why they did that. For me, it's Keldon Johnson. He's the guy. Could have been picked in the top 10. And I wouldn't have blinked an eye or batted an eye, I should say. He's the guy for me. He's the biggest uh, steal in the entire draft for me and the Spurs. Look out for him next season. Seriously, Keldon Johnson's a guy with San Antonio that you should watch. Okay, Grant Williams with the Celtics. For me, only other team that would have worked out better for him was 19th to the Spurs. I, I think that... The, for the way he plays, he's a back-to-the-basket player. He's working on his shot. He's not a he's not a great mid-range shooter, and he's not really a, a three-point shooter at all. He's just a big body, a hell of a defender, will will battle to the end, and is a pretty good athlete. I think the Celtics, depth-wise, have a decent pick there. Uh, moving up the list a little bit, um, I, I thought that the Nets almost made a mistake at 17, but it turns out, they traded Nikhil Alexander-Walker to the Pelicans. And it turns out the Pelicans are the team that I have to say make the mistake here. I think the Pelicans further buried themselves with this pick. They could have gotten somebody else so much better, I feel like. with with Some of the guys I already named uh, were more... Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a kid out of Virginia Tech, had it at times and then just it evaporated on him during his college season... And you almost looked at Buzz Williams and, and felt like, geez, you know, does he even know what to do with this kid? He's so talented and just never 
never lived up to it at Virginia Tech. And it was it was a guy like Justin Robinson that really had to pick up the slack for the Hokies last season. So again, that's a weird pick for me. But again, the Pelicans end up getting stuck with him after initially went to the Hawks and yada, 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 more draft nonsense. Let's get into the nitty gritty ones. Now, I I think the Celtics had another really good draft. Romeo Langford. I'll ch- I'll chuck him into some, you know these other picks that the Celtics had. Fits what they need for depth, but can be developed into what could be really good future players. And Romeo Langford fits that bill as well. PJ Washington of the Hornets is a really risky pick, just because of how high it is. And you might you can blame it on the draft depth if you want. I like PJ Washington. I don't think he's a top fifteen pick. And that's what happens in drafts when sometimes you feel like because of need and position and your love for the player, sometimes you'll take a guy too high. There's a couple of those that I'm about to get to. P.J. Washington is one for sure. But as far as guys to watch, the next three are all shooters. They're all versatile and they're all really fun to watch. Miami Heat getting Tyler Hero is a phenomenal pick at 13. Could have gone lower. He kind of gained, he kind of picked up some steam as the season went on. He played really well in the NCAA tournament. I think Tyler Hero is a really nice pick for the Miami Heat, for where they're at, for what they needed. They needed some shooting on that team desperately, even with Jimmy Butler coming into the fold. Tyler Hero is a really nice player to have. I think he he kind of adds what Justice Winslow doesn't, and that's a really consistent three-point shot. And I think he's a little bit better. Well, Justice Winslow's coming around defensively, to be fair to him. But Tyler Hero, to me, could be a really good player in the NBA on both ends of the floor. His size, his athleticism, his length, and that shooting ability. I I like Tyler Hero a lot. I really like Cam Johnson as well. And with the Suns, it's it's interesting. You know, down the road, do they have something there? I I think could be an interesting thing to look at. He'll have a chance to play, I would think, this season. And we'll we'll know right away with Cam Johnson how good he is. And then obviously for me, another steal for the Hawks, getting Cam Reddish at the 10th spot could have been higher. You know, people are down on him a little bit because of the way Duke performed at the NCAA tournament. Cam Reddish has the potential to be the second or third best player in this draft. That's the bottom line. And I think that 10 is extremely harsh for him. Uh, he has to be a little bit more of an alpha male in the NBA. He's got to look for his shot a little bit more. And I think he's got to get a little bit better getting inside and, and making things happen, being more of a playmaker. But the talent is there. The talent is there. This kid's a stud. The Hawks, who the Knicks will play a lot this year, I believe. There's quite a few times where the uh, Knicks get tangled up with Atlanta. Watch out for that kid. That, that kid could be a really good player. Uh, for me, I really like this kid coming into the draft. I just wish this team wouldn't have taken him. I was begging this team not to take him, but they took him, and now I don't know what his career is going to look like. There's there's places right now that are black holes for development. Uh, for a while, Orlando was a place like that. Cleveland's been a place like that uh, at times as well, besides when they've nailed on, on the number one picks. Um, the Bulls lately have been a place like that a little bit as well. The Timberwolves are a little bit similar, unless they get unless they nail it. They don't really develop their guys. Right now, the Wizards, I think, are right there. I mean, they're a black hole for the draft. And, and Rui Hachimura was a guy I was so high on coming out of the draft. I love his versatility. He could defend. He's a hell of a scorer on the offensive end. He's got a jump shot. 
that's that's still coming around, but it's it's it can be really good. And the Wizards are just a dumpster fire right now. And I, I oh, one of the worst possible spots for him to go. I I really thought I if he had, man, if uh, if the maybe if the if, he, if the Heat had gotten him, or maybe the Boston Celtics, maybe even the Detroit Pistons. But he gets picked a little higher than I thought, and maybe for his talent, upside-wise, maybe deserved a top-10 pick. But, man, I just don't know if the Wizards are going to do him any justice, and I feel like that could really blow up in their faces. Not because of him, because they just don't develop players well, and they're stuck with Wall and Beal and, and, and all these you know mediocre players below them, and Wall being hurt and... Beal wanting out pretty much, and oh, it's it's a rough situation for a rookie to be put in, and being a top ten pick on top of that, I feel terrible for him. But if he plays, he's worth watching. He's a really good player. I, I think that if you just look at ninth and not look at the spot, I, I think you, could, you 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 would you would see and and look at his Gonzaga tape. Just look at his tape. You know, he did it against Duke and, and did it against the the Blue Bloods, and you know helped Gonzaga get pretty far in the dance this past season as well. I really like that kid. I hope it works out for him because he's, he's a really talented player. Uh, again, Kobe White, the Bulls pick at seven, worth watching. Uh, Knicks always play the Bulls every year. It's an interesting matchup to kind of measure where the two teams are at. Definitely watch him play. You know, Definitely get a chance if he plays. He kind of reminds me of a quicker, maybe not quicker, I'd love to see those these two guys race. Chris Dunn and Kobe White remind me of, you know, similar player. Dunn's a better athlete, I think, than White for sure. But Kobe White has got a bag of tricks, man. He is a really, really strong player. He's got a little bit of De'Aaron Fox in him as well, not just because of he's got of his wild hair, but because he can really play. And I, I like that as well. Jarrett Culver's a stud. I, I think the Timberwolves knew what they wanted out of him and they snagged him. I love that pick. I thought I thought he should have been the fourth pick in the draft for me. I thought he was the fourth best prospect on paper behind the top three that everyone knew was going to happen. He falls to six because uh, I thought because of one bad pick and, and one little reach. I thought in the draft, but Jarrett Culver's worth watching if you have a chance to NBA TV or, or you have League Pass or whatever. Watch the Timberwolves just to see how that kid pans out. Jared Culver is an athlete. He's a stud. Was a huge reason they got to the championship game, Texas Tech, last year, and is a hell of a defender. Jared Culver is one to watch. The Cavs completely bleeped the bed, in my opinion, at five. I think Darius Garland was a terrible pick. They never should have touched him. He is injury-prone, and even when he played well, showed some signs but top five with what he has coming with him as far as baggage and injuries, awful pick. Awful. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what were they thinking? Culver was right there for the taking, and you take Darius Garland. Oh, my God. Uh, I hope that, I mean, this doesn't smell like Anthony Bennett yet, but oh, my God, what a terrible pick by the Cavs. And, and I... I, I I'm I'm starting to feel myself getting even deeper into draft. Like we're looking back at the draft. I'm really just trying to break down the notable rookies for this season. And Garland's a guy that could be a huge miss for the Cavs and really turn them into a really rough franchise again, unless they keep getting these number one picks. But they, the way the lottery's set up now, it's not that easy anymore. Uh, let me wrap up with with the notables, the top four guys, and what you need to look out for. Again, rookie breakdown here of 
really all the notables that you need to watch out for and how they did in college and how they could pan out in the NBA. Um, the Lakers initially drafted DeAndre Hunter. He gets traded to the Hawks uh, somehow after first being dealt to the Pelicans. Who cares? I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. He's a really good defender. He's a he's a solid shooter. He's a good athlete. And I like, don't love the destination in Atlanta. Watch him play. I, I'll keep an eye on him because he could be really good. He really can be. Next season for the Hawks, definitely worth watching. And I think that if he pans out, it could be really interesting. I really do. So he's good. Uh, certainly one to watch, not just because he's a top four pick. He's a really good player. Obviously, you know, the Knicks have a guy that could be the top pick, top prospect from this draft. I mentioned it time and time again. R.J. Barrett could be an absolute steal. And, and it's tough to say that for the number three pick. But we could look back on him and be like, why the hell did the Pelicans not take him at one? You know, it, he could be that good. Now, listen, Zion's hype has vaulted him to number one. But R.J. Barrett was arguably the better player coming out of high school and at times the better player in college. So, listen, Zion showed defensively that, that he was the better player at times. But offensively, there's definitely a debate to be had. And with Zion already dealing with injuries, there's a question mark there. John Morant to the Grizz. I hope he doesn't get lost there. You know, Memphis could be lost in the NBA shuffle, especially with where they're at right now. He could be a phenomenal player. I've talked with him in person a couple of times uh, for, for my other podcast covering the, the NCAA tournament. And he's a really good guy, a really good attitude guy, buys into his team, listens to his coaches, knows how big of a deal he was at Murray State but also knew that he wouldn't be there without his teammates and his coaching staff and everyone that had supported him. was very humble at times, even after he demolished Marquette and almost single-handedly kept them in a round against Florida State in the second round of that NCAA tournament run that Murray State went on. So it's really, he's an impressive kid. It's just whether or not the Grizzlies can put enough around him, and if he's the cornerstone, things can get interesting. So he's definitely a player to watch next season and obviously everyone wants to know what Zion Williamson is going to do and I've given a few thoughts on him on the podcast this season injuries worry me a ton with Zion Williamson there's no getting around that I don't know if he's going to be good enough uh and rather if he's going to be healthy enough uh to stick around in the NBA so I don't know I, I that's my answer on Zion I don't know right now with him. I don't know how he's going to pan out. I don't know what things are going to be like. If the Pelicans get what they get, what they thought they were going to get, he will be the best player of the NBA in five years. Most likely. If he is not the, the, the ceiling, that's the ceiling for Zion. He will be the best player in the NBA in five, seven years. Most likely. If he lives up to that, because he is, pretty much Bo Jackson on a basketball court. He's bigger than everybody else. He's just as fast and he can jump higher than anybody. That's basically what he is. That's why, that's why people wanted him at number one. And don't kid yourself. The Knicks would have taken him if they were, if they had the number one pick, we're all, you know, happy with RJ now and things like that. That's fine. I'm with you. But if the Knicks had the number one pick, make no mistake, they would have taken Zion Williamson. Don't kid yourself. And that's why. 
He is Bo Jackson dribbling a basketball. That's his ceiling. Now, his floor is Anthony Bennett. Maybe that's a little harsh, but if he's injured and doesn't play, he's just that big guy that didn't work out. Now, that's probably harsh because Zion was a way better prospect than Anthony Bennett, and it was a shock pick at number one. I'm kind of comparing number one picks more than anything else there. And I'll, I'll be honest, maybe that's a little harsh. But his expectations are through the roof, as I just laid out to you. So anything other than that is a huge failure for the Pelicans. It really is because of what they did to get rid of Anthony Davis. So if Zion doesn't work out, oh, I mean, they had to trade AD. But now what are the Pelicans stuck with? Laker leftovers and a a bust. So there's a lot of pressure on Zion. Now he's a hell of a kid. He's a hell of a talent. Can he live up to it? It's going to be must-watch television. And I wouldn't be surprised if ESPN and TNT put the Pelicans on a couple of times just because Zion is dunking over everybody. So we'll see. He's got a lot to learn, too. Keep that in mind as well. His jump shot's not quite there yet. You know, keep that in mind. He's not a great free-throw shooter either. Keep that in mind. This is stuff that has to get better now with the injury problems. I don't know how he's going to come back from that. Did okay coming back from that in college, to be fair to him. But now we're going to have to see what happens going forward the rest of the way with his development. All right, guys. Interesting show. I enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts on the rookies you're looking forward to seeing, not only with the Knicks, but around the rest of the NBA. The season is getting closer and closer. Get excited, and I will see you next week on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.